4 o'clock. This is an opportunity for you to come and explore hard questions of the faith, to bring doubts, to bring questions you want to go deeper in. And so that's going to be today here in the sanctuary at 4 o'clock. The last two weeks they've been wrestling with the problem of evil. And they want to make it really personal today of how do we address suffering on a personal level. So if you ever wondered about that or want to go deeper in that, but how do you address suffering on the personal level when life is hard? That's today at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Now, I want to remind you that Christmas is almost here, as if you don't already know that. And so there's one more Christmas activity for us as a church family together besides Sunday mornings. And that's this Friday night. That's our annual Christmas Eve candlelight service. We call it Carol's Communion and Candlelight. This Friday evening, 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Now, there's no child care for this, but this is a family-friendly service. So we don't mind the noise of the little ones in here. This is fun to... I'll be together. We'll sing Christmas carols. We'll read scripture together. And, and then we'll have communion together. And then we'll do a candlelight singing of Silent Nights um, at the end of the service on that. With Christmas being upon us, just want to remind you there's a holiday schedule difference for the next two Sundays. So for the next two Sundays, December 26th and January 2nd, there is only the worship service. There are no small groups beforehand. So only 10.30 in the morning these next two Sundays. There's no Sunday afternoon activities. There's no Wednesday night activities the next two weeks. This is just, as we go through the Christmas and New Year's, it's just Sunday morning worship service for the next two Sundays. You'll find that on our website, gatewaybaptist.com. Finally, I want to remind you that if you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, we have a ton of great books in the Resource Center. If you need a Bible for a friend this Christmas season, or if you want a, a book just for yourself to read during the Christmas holidays, there's a ton of stuff out in the hallway outside the office. If you need a good read, just let us know. We can recommend something for you. Now, as we get ready for Advent, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. This is the theme of love. And so Ashley and Abigail, are two of our young adults, are going to come read Scripture for us to help us prepare our hearts for worship this morning. I'm going to be reading 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Y'all stand as we get ready to sing this morning. We're going to sing uh, Angels We've Heard on High, but it's uh, going to be maybe a little different arrangement than what you're used to. So as we get to that chorus, just kind of follow along with us as we uh, teach you kind of a new rendition of how to sing this chorus. Angels we have heard on high singing
Yeah. 
have the joy this morning of celebrating a baptism today. This is the baptism of Jenna Moore, the daughter of Molly and Dan Moore. And so we are so excited to get to celebrate together with you and so excited what the Lord's been doing in your life, Jenna. So I want to read to us from Matthew chapter 28. These are familiar words for us. 
Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I just want to remind you that when we have a baptism here, there's nothing magical about these letters. There's nothing special about these letters. Baptism is a sign of one's profession of faith. It's a sign where a believer says, I am a follower of Christ. And we baptize the way we do because it's an identification saying, I believe that Christ died for my sins, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day. But beyond that, it's a confession of saying, I believe because of God's work in my life, I have died to my old ways of life. And by his grace, I am walking in newness of life now. And so this is a way that a believer confesses, I am a follower of Christ. And so this is Jenna Moore and Seth, one of our elders in the tank with her. And Seth's going to share a little bit of her journey while she's standing before you today. We know that many of you like to say words of encouragement to the person being baptized. Jenna has requested that if you would like to say a word to her, which I know you'd love to, to find her after the service, she'd love to hear from you those words of encouragement on a personal level. Well, we want you to have an update from Alex Fox. We have a video update for you. He is from Gateway, and he is serving in South Alabama, reaching medical students with the gospel. So he's going to give you a video update of what's going on in their life and in their ministry. And then Greg, too, one of our elders is going to come lead us in a prayer time. Hey, Gateway family, we are Alex and Mary Catherine Fox. Some of y'all might recognize us from Gateway. We've got a long history there, and um, I think we would both say Gateway has played a huge role in our lives. Um, this is where we met in elementary school. Not that we started dating then. Mr. Gillis wouldn't have been on board with that. Um, but many families and individuals uh, from Gateway have invested in us and taught and modeled for us what it means to follow Christ. When we got the opportunity to share, when we get the opportunity to share what the Lord has done in our lives, it begins in our homes and with our with our home church. And those are both really positive things and a huge blessing. We've been asked to share briefly about what the Lord's been doing in our lives and ministry here in Mobile and how Gateway could pray and support us. Mary Catherine works as a nurse in the emergency department at University Hospital, and, and though she might deny it admit, um, through our church and my job. I've met a lot of people that work alongside her and, and say that she's an incredible nurse and a delightful person to work with, which probably comes as no surprise to any of you that know her. Um, and although stories from her job are probably much more exciting, they're not from not for the faint of heart. So I'm going to share more about what the Lord's been doing through CMSA, uh, the ministry that I work that I've worked with for a little over two years. So um, CMSA stands for Christian Medical Ministry of South Alabama, which is a mouthful. 
Um, the easy explanation is that we're a campus ministry at the University of South Alabama, much like Campus Crusade or RUF um, or the BCM. And our, our ministry focus would be anybody in training to be a healthcare provider. And our, our vision, if you looked at our website, is that God would use CMSA to raise up men and women as leaders of the health professions who would glorify God through their lives and careers. We desire to help medical students and those in healthcare in South Alabama integrate their faith in Jesus Christ into every aspect of their lives. We pray that their influence would impact the Gulf Coast, the United States, and the far reaches of the world. So that's a really big vision. Um, and uh, practically, you might ask, what types of things do we do as a ministry to invest in students and create space for God to work in their minds and hearts? And so in a, in a, a non-COVID year, we do three overseas mission trips, local service projects, go to conferences, host retreats, and facilitate weekly small group Bible studies. Um, I'd really like to share just about one of those things um, that I think God's really been working in and I'm really excited about. And so that would be just that during COVID, the Lord has expanded the ministry by, by adding five new small groups. Um, currently, there are 13 different groups of students divided by program that meet weekly to study the Bible, pray, share about their lives, and discuss what it looks like to walk with God during a really, a really demanding season of life as students. Um, some of these groups are led by um, myself and, and Dwayne, the director of the ministry, but most of all of them include an older, blue, older believer who works in their area of healthcare. And so this provides students with a professional mentor, someone who they can talk to about what it looks like to integrate their faith um, and into their care for patients um, from personal experience. It also encourages students to come who, who may not be interested in the Bible study. So a lot of these groups, there might be a, a third of them who show up on a weekly basis who have really no church background, maybe not even claim to follow Christ, but um, just keep showing up. And, and so we're really encouraged by that. And, and so I think that would just bring me to um, my prayer request for y'all. And, and that would be just praying that the Holy Spirit would use these small groups to deepen their, these students' love and commitment to Jesus and transform their hearts, the hearts of those who don't know him, and, and pray that they would catch a vision to make Jesus known through their vocation by caring for the sick and vulnerable and by doing their work with excellence, but um, also being intentional to treat people holistically, uh, body, mind, and soul, and we, we try to have conversations about that. So. I, that's my prayer request. I think Mary Catherine probably has plenty of prayer requests from, from her work life. Um, yeah, so like Alex said, I am a nurse at the emergency department at um, University Hospital here in Mobile. We are a trauma, burn, and stroke center. So we get um, a lot of very, very sick people um, in, our, in our department. So with that um, really comes a culture from the staff, uh, mainly the nursing staff of um, just, I think, a work hard, play hard mentality. Um, there's a lot of pain um, that the providers are not dealing with um, due to, you know, just the horrible things that we see on a daily basis. So I think my, my biggest prayer would be that I um, would just have the wisdom, strength, and courage um, just on how to truly be salt and light in the workplace. Um, how to have hard conversations, but also, you know, very life-giving conversations um, with people who um, really are only running to quick fixes um, in order to cope with the things that they see and deal with. And also, just that the Lord would continue um, to give me strength 
uh, if y'all know me, I'm a very emotional human being. So um, it's definitely been challenging um, on, you know, learning how to really run to the Lord in times of grief and um, just seeing really hard things. So y'all just pray for me to have wisdom um, on how to love my coworkers well and to um, continue to show them the grace and love of Jesus. Um, so Mary Catherine and I are deeply grateful for her gateway and all the families that have invested us um, over the years. And I uh, just ask that you pray for us. And if you'd like to hear more about our lives or how to partner with us in ministry, um, then we have parents that go to gateway and should still have our contact information. They haven't completely cut us off yet. So uh, feel free to reach out to them um, if you'd like to get in touch with us. So I think that's all we got. Again, thank you all so much and uh, God bless. was on. I turned it off. <laughs> First of all, let me just say, uh, they're here in person. Okay. <laughs> we love you, Alex and Mary Catherine. Just grateful to God for you guys and for the fox, all the foxes and gillises. Love them very much. And, and, and the rest of the family that's here um, as well. And also, just a quick announcement before we... Uh, before we get into the prayer requests, uh, Cecilia and I would like to invite, we're already having a couple of folks over for Christmas this year, but we've got more room around the table. If there's anybody in church that, that will be here this Christmas and, and you don't necessarily have anyone to, to spend Christmas with, we'd like to invite you. So would you just come and see Cecilia or I after church, Cecilia, right there? Or you can text or, or call or whatever if you're watching online. So anyway, just open that up for you. Um, just wanted to read this passage as we enter into our prayer time. So we think about the Lord's incarnation and these words that he spoke as he was beginning his ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I would submit that this answers every question that any human being has in this life. And I just pray that over this holiday and as we enter into prayer, that, that people, that we would look for the opportunity to share this Christ with those around us, the hope that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that during this season, Lord, when you are on center stage before the world, Lord, that we would take the opportunity just to share the love and joy and hope and peace that we have in you. Lord, not just for today, but into eternity. Lord, we're just so, so grateful. Lord, we're so thankful. Lord, we're just, it's just so incredible what you've done on our behalf, Lord. We just say thank you. Lord, we just want to ask on behalf of, behalf of others, Lord, uh, some pastors in town, John Holbrooks, who leads the Mystic Ministry in Chisholm. Lord, we just thank you for his faithfulness. 
and how through that ministry you've brought uh, many mistech people to faith in Christ. And Lord, we pray your blessing of health and perseverance and endurance, Lord, that your grace would be upon that ministry. Lord, and more and more uh, mistechs would come to know Christ as Savior. And Lord, we also pray for Pastor Keith Moore of Impact Christian Church. Lord, one who just became the chaplain of the Montgomery Police Department. Lord, we pray for his church and his ministry. And Lord, would you encourage him? Lord, I pray that he would experience refreshing in you this season. I pray that your joy would be his constant companion. And Lord, hope in the midst of, Lord, the different brokenness that he encounters as a chaplain. Lord, we just submit him before you. And Lord, we also want to pray for our for our government leaders, Lord, locally, for Governor Ivey and Mayor Reed. God, they need your wisdom in these days. Lord, we just pray for godly wisdom, Lord. We pray that they would understand that a fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, that they would bow the knee to Christ. And Lord, that you'd give them all the wisdom of heaven as they try to administer, Lord, things in this state. Lord, we also just want to reach beyond our borders and pray globally, Lord. We pray for Josie in Southeast Asia, Lord, one who's a nurse and involved with the Eternal Peace Clinic in her community, Lord, as she uh, shares the gospel with those around her. Lord, we just pray for, for many to come to Christ. Lord, we know that you're building your church. Lord, you are calling globally from every nation, tribe, and tongue, a people for yourself. And Lord, just thank you for her willingness to be a part of that. Just pray your blessing on her. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, as we, as we often come to the time of offering in a service, Lord. Just put it on our hearts, the realization, Lord, what it means to give to you. Lord, it starts with you giving to us. And Lord, I don't mean money. I just mean, Lord, the great, great riches we have in Christ. Lord, would you just put it on our hearts, Lord, as you say throughout the scripture, that we would give Lord, according to what you've put in our hearts, and that we would give generously, knowing that what we sow, we reap. So, Lord, we just pray for your offering this morning, uh, that you would bless it, that, that we would use it wisely as stewards, Lord, to build your kingdom. Finally, Lord, we thank you for Grady. We thank you for the one that you've called, Lord, to shepherd us in so many ways in this church. We thank you for the gift that you've given him of teaching, Lord, of expounding on your word, Lord, of holding it out, truth to us each week. Lord, we pray your blessing and your grace be upon him. Lord, we pray that you'd continue to open his mind and his heart to your word as you reveal by your spirit the truths of scripture. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would anoint our ears and our eyes and our hearts, Lord, that we might hear and see and believe the truth of the gospel. So, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We bless your holy name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And boys and girls, first to fourth grade are dismissed to kids' worship. So first to fourth graders, you can head out those doors right there to kids' worship. Once you find 1 John chapter 4 in your copy of God's Word or on your Bible app, 1 John chapter 4 this morning. We are continuing our season of Advent. This, as I reminded you before, is a Latin word for coming. It's a season where we focus on the coming of Christ. And we're doing so to rediscover the wonder of the season that can become so familiar to us. We're also doing it to remind ourselves of how the deepest longings we have are met in Christ. Now, over the last few weeks, we've looked at our longing for peace and hope 
and for joy. And we found how those desires are met in God and in knowing God personally and how those desires can be met even when life is hard, even as we walk through hardships and suffering. Today we come to the final theme of Advent. That is the theme of love, as you already heard read this morning when we lit the candle. And once again, we'll see today how our desire to be loved is ultimately met in knowing God. Now, if there's any attribute of God our culture most focuses on, is this one, that God is a God of love, that God is love. But when we hear that in our culture so much, what people mean when they say that it misses really the depth and the wonder and the riches of what Scripture teaches. You see, when we talk about God being a God of love, that does not mean that God smiles and nods at whatever choices we make in life. God being a God of love doesn't mean that He approves of sin. God being a God of love does not mean He's okay if we just live for ourselves and ignore His glory as we go through this life. God's love is not his tolerance. It's not go do whatever you want and I'll just affirm you in your life. God's love is much purer, much richer, much holier than that. And so this morning I want us to dig into what do we mean when we talk about the love of God and how it transforms us. Now a great place for us to see that is in the book of 1 John. This is a letter written by the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote it much older in his life when he was a significant leader in the early church. So this was written somewhere between... 67 and 90 A.D. Now, John has been called by some of the early church leaders as the theologian of love. Now, when we call John the theologian of love, that doesn't mean around 75 A.D. people were sending in letters to John going, how do I fix my marriage or how do I improve my romance? That's not what we're talking about when he's the theologian of love here. He is a person who focused on God's love and how we respond to God's love by loving God and loving others. In the book of 1 John, he references love more than 29 times And this one short little letter here, more than all the Gospels combined, he is holding up the love of God and how we should love God and love others because of that. This morning we come to 1 John chapter 4. We actually already got a preview of it because it was read with the lighting of the Advent candle this morning. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 this morning, verses 9 through 11. As we look at our text today, I want you to be looking for what do we learn about God's love? But I want to take it one step further. Not just what do we learn about God's love, but what difference should that make in our life? If we really understand that we are loved by God, what difference will that make in our lives? So 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God as we have the treasure of God's words right before us. I'll be reading out the English Standard Version, and the words will also be on the screen. In this is the love of God made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for your love for us. And what I pray today as we talk about your love and we unpack these verses, and we pray your Holy Spirit would help us really understand the wonder of what it means to be loved by the Almighty. And I pray that would change us and transform us as we go throughout this week ahead. So Lord, have your way in our midst. You know what's going on in each one of our hearts and lives, and you know where we need encouragement, and you know where we need conviction. You know where we need to be built up and where we need a gentle rebuke. So Lord, would you do what only you can do, speak your word into each one of our situations to transform us and make us more into the people you desire us to be. We ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, if we're going to talk about God being a God of love and God loving us, we need to define our terms here to make sure what we're talking about here. So the question, the first question for the morning is simply this, what is love? 
Now, if you lived through the 90s, there was a song by that name, and the answer to that was, Baby, Don't Hurt Me. But unfortunately, love is much more than someone close to you not hurting you, right? What is love then? Well, in our culture, love is often seen as just an emotion, right? It's seen as something you fall into or fall out of. It's just a feeling that can come and a feeling that can go. But that misses the biblical focus of what love really is. So here's a definition I want us to work with from love this morning. I want you to see it up on the screen. This is how I want us to define love today. Love is a choice you make to give of yourself for the good of another. Now, if you've been around Gateway, this is not new to you. I've used this definition before. But this helps me understand what love is when I look at Scripture and God's love for us or our love for one another. Love is a choice you make to give of yourself for the good of another. That means it's a decision we make. It's a decision we make to do something to serve another person. The decision we make to build up another person. The decision we make to bring good to another person. It's a choice we make to give of ourselves for the good of another. Don't you see, that's exactly what we see God doing for us in these verses. We talk about God's love, that he is choosing freely to do something he doesn't have to do, to give of himself you know, from the whole of Scripture for His glory, but in ways that will build us up and bring good to us. So let's look at our text today to see how God loves us. As we look at our text, there's four ways I want you to see this morning if what we learn about the love of God. Number one, we need to see foundationally love is part of God's very nature. Love is part of God's very nature. It's not just like an add-on. It's not just something peripheral to Him. It's His very essence. It's part of His attributes. It's who He is. If you go back up to the verse before what we just read this morning... You'll see this. Look back at verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Now, that's a whole different subject for another day here. Because, what are these next three words? God is what? God is love. In his very nature, his very essence, God is love. It's his attribute. Even before God made the world, when there was no creation, there was no people here, God was still a God of love. That The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had a perfect relationship of loving one another before there was even time. God, from all eternity, has always been and always will be a God of love. Now, what's this? So we see that love is part of his nature. Number two, God freely chose to give from that love to us. God freely chose to give from that love to us. Look at verse 9 from our text this morning. In this... The love of God, so we're just told God is love, now the love of God was made manifest among us. Now this word manifest is important, it means something is made visible, it means something is brought into the open, something is now made known. The God who has always had love, he didn't start loving now, he's always been a God of love, he's chosen to manifest, he's chosen to make known, to make visible his love, to bring it to the open for all to see his love. Now how does he do that? Well, Lots and lots of ways, but he specifies the ultimate way right here in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That, here's how God made his love manifest, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the Christmas story here in First John. The epitome of the demonstration of God's love is that Christ came. The Father sent the Son to show us the love of God, to show us the nature of God, and to make a way for us to know God. And what's so important here is he didn't have to do this. He would have been holy and just and perfect and good to leave us lost in our sins. We had all rebelled against him. We would all turned from him. He did not have to pour out his love in this way to us. But he chose in his sovereign plan to do this. He made a choice to give of his love to us. So God's very nature is love. God freely chose to give it to us. Number three, we've seen this text, his love brings great good to us. His love brings great 
good to us. We see that still here in verse 9 in this last phrase. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is John's way of saying so that we might have eternal life, so that we might be saved, so that we could be brought from death to life. This is describing God taking us as enemies and adopting us and making us his friends. This is God rescuing us from the judgment we deserved. And to make sure we understand this, John repeats this here in verse 10. Look at how he elaborates on this. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. So he's repeating the idea that Christ has come. He sent his son. This is to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, you've seen it before in our other studies, but the word propitiation here is so important. Propitiation simply means a sacrifice that takes God's wrath and turns it to favor. Propitiation is a sacrifice that takes wrath and turns it to favor. The Father sent Christ, the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas. He came to be the propitiation for our sins, to take the wrath we deserve so that we could be forgiven, but not to stop there, but to turn it to favor, to turn it to bring good to us, to give us what we saw in John 1 a few weeks ago, to give us grace upon grace upon grace, to give us what Ephesians 1 says is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So God's love is his very nature. He freely chose to give it to us, and when he does that, it brings great good to us. But number four, his love is costly. His love for us was very costly. Friends, we talk about God's love. We love to focus on that in our culture. We must also not miss that God's also holy. That's part of his eternal nature as well. He's perfect. He's righteous. And because he's holy and perfect and righteous, he has to judge every sin. God cannot wink at sin. God cannot overlook any sin. His holiness requires him to deal with every sin. And so as we've seen in our study this year of being rooted, either we take that wrath which will take an eternity because we've offended God, or he takes it for us. And so that's what verse 10 is telling us here, the cost of this love, that Christ came to be the propitiation for our sins. He came to be the sacrifice. He came to sacrifice himself so that we could have the favor of God. So God's love in these few verses we see is his very nature. He freely chooses to give it to us. It brings great good to us, and it comes at a very high cost. So let's bring that together. And here's the core idea I want you to see this morning that I want us to unpack a little bit more. And here's, here's the idea. What do we learn about God's love? Simply this, there's nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less than he already does. And I think we have it on the screen for you. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less than he already does. Friends, if you are in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you know you belong to him, that he's adopted you, he's forgiven you of your sins. Friends, the good news is there's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. There's no amount of good works you can do. You can today sell everything you have and go to the uttermost parts of the earth to reach the unreached peoples of the world, and he won't love you any more than he already loves you. There's nothing you can do. You could try to become the perfect spouse and the perfect parent, which you won't, and I won't either, but we could try to do that, and God wouldn't love us any more than that. His love for us is unconditional. But that also means, friends, there's no amount of sin in our life that can make him love us any less. There's nothing that's going to cause God to shake his head and be like, I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. There's nothing you or I can do that can change God's love for us. Nothing that will increase it and nothing that will decrease it. And the big word for that is his love is unconditional. His love is not predicated upon anything you or I have done in the past that we are doing today or that we will do in the future. God didn't, from eternity past, look at us and be like, I think he's going to be a good missionary. I think he's going to really be a good father. Therefore, I'll love him. God's love is unconditional. There's nothing God looked ahead to say, 
I think I'm going to love him because dot, dot, dot. God's love is completely unconditional. Friends, we see this throughout all of Scripture. I want you to see a few examples. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And notice in Romans 5, 8, the order of this. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when we were unlovely. He loved us when we were still lost in our sins. When we were still shaking our fist at God, saying, not your way, but mine. I'm living for myself. God still set his affections on us. There was no condition he put on us. It was a sovereign choice to love us, the unlovable. We see this in Ephesians, and Paul's writings again. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy. Now notice, because of what? The what? Great love. Okay, here it is. His love is great. It's the overflow of his nature. Because of the great love of which he loved us, now verse 5, when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That we were still dead in our sins. We were still lost in our sins. And God looked ahead to us as rebels, dead in our sins. and goes, I'm going to love that person. That's why a few verses later in verses 8 and 9, this text we remind ourselves of often in verse 8 of Ephesians 2, we're told, for by grace... His, his favor, His kindness, His love for us. Nothing we've done. By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And then verse 9 tells us it's not a result of works. There was no condition you or I did. God didn't even look ahead and go, look, oh, I think that person's going to put faith in me. I'll love him. No, God's love is unconditional. There's nothing we have done that causes God to love us. Therefore, we have nothing to boast. God's love for us is not based on anything we do. Rather, God's love is in spite of all that we do. God's love is in spite of our rebellion. God's love is in spite of our selfishness. God's love is in spite of our idolatry, in spite of us wanting to live our life our own way, in spite of living for self instead of living for his glory, in spite of all that, he still chose to love us. This is what John's building, what Jesus himself said. John chapter 15, verse 15. This is a beautiful text. Jesus says to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. This is God Almighty talking and saying to his followers, if you belong to me, you are my friend. I mean, that's stunning. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Now, how does this happen? Verse 16, he tells us, why did they become friends? Why are you and I friends of God? He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Friends, we are followers of Christ, not because we are good people, not because we're lovable, but in spite of our sin, he still chose to love us. So we come back to verse 10 of today's text and we see the same thing again. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means there's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. Now, I'm going to give an important clarification, an important aside here with this. This truth does not give us permission to go sin more, okay? The fact there's nothing we can do to make God love us more, nothing we do to make God love us less, doesn't give us permission to be like, well, hey, he forgives me, he loves me, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's not what this text should drive us to. God has given us his standard, God has still revealed his will to us, and we look at the whole big picture of 1 John, we see this. This is why context is so important. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, and look at what John says. No one who abides in him, same idea of living that we just saw a minute ago in our text today, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Or 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, a few verses later. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Or 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who has been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So we look at the whole of John's letter here. 
Yes, we see that God's love is unconditional, but that does not lead us to permissiveness to go do whatever we want to do. It should lead us to want to obey God, not to gain His love, but because we already are loved. And that's such a different way to approach life. We're not trying to obey God because we're trying to get His favor. We want to obey God because we already have His favor, because we've experienced such an awe-inspiring love of the Father to us that we want to now follow Him because He has loved us. Paul makes this really clear in Romans chapter 6 as well. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, he's talking about grace and this glory of there's nothing we bring except for sin, and God's grace saves us. He says, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, the answer is, by no means. Absolutely not. No way. Don't even consider that. Why? Because how can he who died to sin still live in it? Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Then in verse 4, we were therefore buried with him by baptism into death, but that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That he saved us not so we can keep living for ourselves. He wanted to give us a new life. And we now strive to obey, not to get to him, but because we've already been loved by him. So with that clarification of view, back to our thought today, there is nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less than he already does. Now, friends, that's a truth I think we would probably all affirm. But the question is, is it a truth we're living out? We might say, oh yes, God's love is unconditional, but do we really live like God's love is unconditional? Our elder team has been reading a book this year, you've heard us talk about it, called Lead from Paul David Tripp. In the last chapter that we were discussing about two weeks ago in our meeting, he describes something he calls a distinction between our confessional theology and our functional theology. Confessional versus functional. Theology is our knowledge of God. He says we all have a confessional theology. I think everyone who joins Gateway would say, oh yeah, I believe God's love is unconditional. We would say that, that'd be our confession, but do our lives indicate a functional theology that we actually believe that God loves us, period, that there's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore, and there's nothing I can do to make God love me any less. And the reality is that we would all confessionally acknowledge that yes, God loves us, period, I think a lot of our lives show that we really don't fully embrace that. Friends, this has been a real struggle for me. Even in recent months, God has been having to take me on a journey and growing me through understanding that he loves me, period. That God doesn't love me more when there's no blown light bulbs in the sanctuary, which I ought to be in trouble today because there's one up there. But God doesn't love me any less if I only work 50 hours this week instead of 60. That God doesn't love me any more when everyone's happy with me. He doesn't love me any less if someone's mad at me. That, my, that God's love for me is unconditional. Friends, I've been on a journey having to learn to embrace that because there's a gap for me between my confessional theology and my functional theology. And all of us have gaps, and it's going to look different for you. It may not be blown light bulbs and flow of the service and how many hours you work, but for all of us, there are gaps between what we say we believe and what our hearts embrace. And so the question for us is not just do we confess that God's love is unconditional, friends, but do we live like we really believe God loves us, period? Do we really believe, do we really live that where we understand and embrace the gospel, that God loves us and he, we can't do anything to make him love us more and we can't do anything to make him love us less? Because if we really embrace that, how should it change us? Last thought for the day with this. If we really embrace that God, there's nothing we do to make God love us any more or any less, how should that change us? Two ways I want to suggest this morning. There's so many more, but two that I believe that we should think on this Christmas season. If we really understand God's love is unconditional, number one, it should give us rest in our souls. It should give us rest in our souls. Friends, those of you who know me well know I'm a pretty high-strung person. 
I'm always on the go, always running. My mind's always running 90 miles an hour. I'm always doing, doing, doing. But if we really get that God loves us, there should be a peace in our heart and our soul that comes from that. I think some reasons we're such a frantic people or such an anxious people is because we're still somehow thinking, though we may not confess it, we're still acting like we're trying to gain God's favor. But if we really get that God loves us, period, and there's nothing I can do to make him love me more or make him love me less, it should give us peace and stability in our soul. Go back to verse 10 of our text this morning. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Friends, we should let those words give us peace, a settledness in our spirit, hope no matter what we're facing. That's why Jesus can say Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. We've seen it in recent weeks, but it's a beautiful text. Jesus says, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. Verse 29, he carries on. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you what? Rest for your souls. And then verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remember, Jesus is speaking this in the context to people under the legalism of the Pharisees. People have been taught you must do, 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 don't, 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 in order to please God and get to God. Jesus speaks these words to people who are being crushed by the weight of legalism. And he says to them, come to me and find rest. Friends, if we really understand the gospel and preach the gospel to ourselves that we are loved by God and it has nothing to do with us, that should give us rest in our souls. Jesus invites us to enter into a relationship of love and peace that is found only in his presence. But number two, not only should it give us peace, it should lead us to love others unconditionally. It should lead us to love others unconditionally. Now, I know that we need a whole sermon for this, and don't worry, we'll dig in more to this when we finish our rooted study this spring. But look at verse 11 this morning. Look at the, one of the applications of understanding that we are loved by God. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. He says, if, we, if God so loved us, if we really understand the gospel, the unconditional love of God for us, he says we ought to do something. Ought here means we have an obligation, an expectation. This should be what we do in response to understanding we're loved by God as we're to love others. Remember, love is a choice we make to give of ourselves for the good of another. That means not by our own strength, but by the Holy Spirit who lives within us if we are a child of God, by his grace upon grace that we saw in John chapter 1, that if we really understand we are loved by God, from the overflow of that, we can now make choices to give of ourselves for the good of others, to love others unconditionally as well. Now, Jesus made this really clear to his disciples. John chapter 13, verses 12 to 17. Jesus humbles himself, and he gets down on the floor, and he washes the feet of his disciples. Remember, they wore sandals back then. They didn't have nice, clean feet after they take their shoes and socks off when they come in the house, right? Their feet are nasty from walking dirt roads with sandals on. He gets down and he washes their feet. And look at how he teaches them after he washes their feet. When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he was in this place. He said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? Verse 13, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Verse 14, and then... If, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought, here it is again, that obligation, here's how we respond to the love of God, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then verse 70, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If we understand we are loved by God, and from the overflow of that, we love others unconditionally, God, Jesus says you are blessed when you do this towards others. 
So with that in view, let's bring it all back together for this Christmas season as we approach all the holiday gatherings and everything coming up over the next week or two. Friends, there's nothing that you or I can do to make God love us any more or any less than he already does if we are in Christ. And so as we come up over the next few weeks, my challenge for myself and for you is not just do we know this, not just can we give the right answer, but do we have a functional theology that shows we really understand we are loved by God, period. So three questions for you this morning to think about how we live out this. Number one, foundation friends, do you know that you are loved by God? There's only two groups of people in the world, those who are under his wrath and judgment and those who have received his forgiveness and love. There's no in-between on that. So either we're under his wrath and judgment, or we've been adopted by him, forgiven, and loved. Do you know today, friends, that you are loved by God, that your sins are forgiven, that you belong to him? Friends, just because you've been going to church your whole life doesn't mean you know that. It's not just what you can say, but does your life really reflect that you understand you belong to God? Friends, if not, what a great time of year to get back in the word of God and cry out to him and ask him to save you and to rescue you and to make you his own. But if you do know Christ and know you belong to him, number two, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you, period? Not God loves you when, fill in the blank, but God loves you. Do you understand that? And what a great reminder this Christmas season. There's nothing you can do today or over the next week or the next two weeks that will make God love you more than he already has loved you in Christ. Nor is there nothing you can do over the next week or two that will cause God to stop loving you. Friends, if you're one who, like me, struggles to remember that God loves you, period. Remember John 1.16? For from his fullness we have grace upon grace. What better way than to describe to him and say, Lord, I can say the right answer, but my heart doesn't always believe it. Give me grace to now live out from a position of understanding I'm loved by you. And then question three, friends. Are we loving others this way? Are we loving others this way? As we go into the weeks to come with the work parties and the family gatherings and talking to the neighbors and running into people at Walmart or whatever else we we come across in the next few weeks, are we making a choice to give of ourselves for the good of others because we know that God loves us and did this for us and we can now do it for others? Friends, as the praise team comes, I want you to take a minute and pray those things. Not just to think through them and close our Bibles and head on away, but why don't you take a minute and bow your heads right now and close your eyes where you're seated. And to, and to ask those questions of yourself. Do you know today that you are not under the wrath of God, but you have the love of God because of Christ forgiving you? If so, do you know, friends, today that God loves you, period? He loves you unconditionally. If you struggle with that, take a minute and ask him for grace to really embrace his unconditional love. The number three... Take a minute now to pray and ask God for grace to love others the way he has loved us. Friends, it's hard. I get it. You get it. There's people who are hard to love. But God loved us when we were not just hard to love, when we were impossible to love. Because we were living for self, living in rebellion. He looked upon us and still chose to love us. So if there's people that you're going to come across and you go, it's going to be hard to love them. God wants to give grace to love others the way he loves. So let's take a minute just in prayer to reflect on those and ask God for the grace upon grace we need, not just to embrace his love for us, but to find peace from it and to live it out.
Lord, you know so often we say, God loves us. We thank you for your love. But Lord, I pray you would increase our capacity to really understand what we're saying. When we sing, when we pray, when we talk about your love, Lord, increase our capacity to even understand it. Your love is beyond our comprehension. Your love is beyond what we can even get our minds around because your love is holy and pure and good and you put it upon wretched, awful people like us. Lord, forgive us for the times we've acted like there was a reason for you to love us because there was none. Lord, help us understand how unconditional your love is. Lord, I don't know if anyone else here struggles like I struggle to not feel like I have to earn your favor. But Lord, if they do, I pray that today you would free them from they have to strive to earn your pleasure. They understand that in Christ, your favor is already upon them. That you're, because of Christ being a propitiation for our sins, your wrath has already been turned to favor and your love is unconditional. But if there's anyone here who has never really experienced your love, they've just gone through the church motions or they've just done the things of praying the prayer and whatever, but they don't understand and experience being loved by you. Oh Lord, today would you be drawing them so they come to understand what it means to be loved by God. Lord, over these next few weeks, Lord, we ask for much grace. Lord, our paths will cross many, many people over the next few weeks, perhaps more so than we normally do. We'll be in close quarters with people, perhaps for extended periods of time. We'll be stuck in lines and stores. And there's so many places to where we can quickly get focused on self instead of on you and on others. And so, Lord, would you give us much, much grace as your people over these next few weeks, Lord, to remember all throughout the day that we are loved by you. And from that place of knowing we're loved by you, to be able to find supernatural strength to love whoever is around us in whatever situations you put us in. And I pray it be true of what Jesus said, that by our love for one another, they, the lost, will know that we are your disciples. Lord, I pray this Christmas season that the way we respond to your love will be so radically different than what our culture sees, that we will all have opportunities to speak of your love, to point people to your character, to point out the hope we have in Christ simply because we understand your love. And we can ask it all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? We're about to sing our closing song. It's a song familiar to you, but I hope you'll think about the lyrics. It's how deep the Father's love for us. In light of what we just looked at in 1 John chapter 4, I want you to sing out and think through what we're, what we're proclaiming. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. Let's proclaim that as an act of worship to Him this morning. Chosen one, bring me 
those lyrics we just sang. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. I want to proclaim together what we studied this morning, so we'll put the main idea back up on the screen, but I want to say it together this morning. I think we have that up there for you, but what do we learn about God's love? Let's say it together, friends. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less than he already does. With that, if you want to read to you some scripture you read earlier, let's be our benediction over you this morning. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are labor and heavy related, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's find rest in our souls in Christ this week. God bless you, Gateway family, and have a Merry Christmas.